Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Michael Franti here, and I am super, super excited today because, you know, normally I have musicians on this show, but today is the first time that I have a chef, and I like to feel like music and cooking are, are very similar. They're the two things that would universally, unanimously, worldwide bring people together, celebrate life. And when we celebrate life, it ain't always easy. There's highs, there's lows, there's ups and downs. And Brandon Kostowski is somebody who knows about highs and lows. He knows about food, and I'm sure he knows something about music too. I want to introduce him to y'all and welcome to the Stay Human Podcast. Brandon, how you feeling? Hey, Michael, I'm feeling really good, man. It's above 60 degrees in Cleveland, and that means that's, a, that's an excellent day. <laughs> nice. Anything above 60 is like, uh, that's like uh, the tropics, right? <laughs> it is. So for those of you who don't know, Brandon started an organization called Edwin's. And why don't you just jump in and let's hear a little bit about what Edwin's does, and, and then we'll, I want to talk about you. No, you got it. So Edwin's, man, its highest level is, is really hope and, and a way to achieve it. It's a, um, a six-month training program uh, on the outside that's uh, you know, helping men and women coming out of our criminal justice or, or injustice system and how you look at it, uh, you know, find their pathway in, in this industry, uh, culinary arts and hospitality, to the top. And so for six months, um, you know, someone just gets immersed in in business basics, they get immersed in uh, food safety and sanitation. You look at the history of food. You work every position in the restaurant. You know, so you cook uh, at the fish. You also, you know, make, make the dough. You you work the bar and you, you serve tables as well. And uh, you know, at the end of these six months, you, you come out with a laundry list of people waiting to hire you, uh, not just in, in in Northeast Ohio, but uh, but around the country because you know our, our mission spread quite far. And I think that the you know what one would consider the most unique, and you know I would consider just you know kind of par for the course is is we care. Uh, we, we care a lot. We have a campus committed to um, someone if, if needed, so we have free housing. You know we've got about four, five, six buildings. We have a uh, graduate housing if someone if someone's in need after they graduate. You know for like two hundred bucks a month. We have a fitness center, a library a butcher shop, a bakery. So, you know, you can learn deeper, those, those two skills. And we just added on family housing here about two months ago. And, and so now we'll be able to accommodate families trying to, trying to, um, you know, change their lives. That's it in a nutshell. You know, we do this inside a prison as well. We're in about a dozen prisons. We know that it's dark inside. So 
between this large hug, uh, uh, you know, of being outside of prison and inside of prison, we just offer the opportunity for someone to be who they want to be. That's awesome. And especially in light of everything that's happening in our country today, mass incarceration and uh, systemic racism, all the things that we see that are on the front pages of the news right now. It's really amazing the work that you guys do. And we'll get into more of that later. But before we do that, I want to talk about you. So tell me about where you grew up. What was your family like when you were a kid? Grew up in uh, Detroit, Michigan, you know, outer driving Van Dyke, which is like seven and a half mile. Anyone familiar with the city would know it's, you know, it's not the, uh, not the prettiest part of town. You know, had, had a, had a, I thought a great childhood, man. You know, ran around with kids. We played, we, you know, we just, we did what we did. We moved out of the downtown, kind of like the, the, the inner city of Detroit to a, uh, to a suburb to like the more formative years. And, uh, it was such a, such a change, I, I think in, uh, in life, you know, seeing, seeing a, you know, going from one place where you're like, you're like the minority to a place where, where, you know, it's like you got to keep up with the Joneses. It was really like it was really kind of an unusual switch in life. Single mother, uh, you know, three boys in the family, so she was always working. You know, her goal was to say just you know graduate high school and stay out of prison, and she was just happy for us that that you know if we were if we were healthy and happy, right? I mean that, that was that was it. There wasn't really a high expectation, so I mean I can't I can't really complain. Childhood was great, man. What did your folks do? My mother uh, it was a court reporter. So she was the one, like just you know, typing up deposition at the uh, in the courtroom. My father, I think, is like engineering or something like that, something of the engineering type. You know, he worked for one of the one of the you know the, the motor companies around Detroit. There's there's many of them. So you grew up in at seven and a half mile. Now you move to this whole other part of the city where you know you're kind of looking at the kids, going, "Hey, I, I'm not wearing the same kicks as they are. I'm not <laughs> I'm not driving the same car as they are." And what did that lead you to as, like, as you said, in this formative, is you talking 12 and 13 or more into high school or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just different, man. I mean, like, it's hard to analyze it now. You know, I just turned 40. You look back at it. But even in the moment, it was just uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, we weren't, we were, we were, the, we were the poor kids in school, okay? We were like the hillbillies. And it was like, that. that's what. I don't know. You weren't accepted into someone else's circle because of, of what you look like, which was kind of weird because, you know, anytime I, my grandmother still lives in, you know, lived in Detroit before she passed, but like, you know, still going back to Detroit was like, people don't give a damn, you know, it's like, you know, come as you are and, and, and do your thing. And it, it was just, it was just weird, man. It was just weird. It didn't make, it didn't make any sense. I guess it was just confusing. It's like, okay. It's- I get that. You know, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in a, in a, neighborhood and uh, where and in a family in fact I was adopted into that I felt like I didn't totally belong all the time and there was half of me that was like desperately trying to fit in and there's another half of me that was like fuck it I'm, I'm trying to just rebel and be who I am did, did you feel that kind of push and pull as a kid or or were you just on one side or the other or you just didn't care I don't think I, don't think I really gave a damn I just you know just kind of did what did what it was and just you know got through the day I think it was it was until, you know, I, I fell into a crowd, you know, now we're talking like, you know, 16, 17, 18. I just fell into the crowd of of, of trouble. And, you know, that now that was comfortable. It wasn't out of rebellion. Like I, I had to I had to piss someone off because, you know, again, mother wasn't like you have to do this or do that. And that, that's where I think, you know, that's where I felt most comfortable. 
So when you say you fell in with a group of kids who were, were getting into trouble, you mean like trouble with the law, trouble in school, just... Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, just, you know, school, you know, school's for fools, man. You know what I mean? Like, like that kind of mentality. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't a drug user, but, uh, you know, a drug dealer. So, you know, would sell uh, was um, just like, again, it, it was a circle also where now it didn't feel like there was an expectation or, or an acceptance policy, right? You kind of you came as you are and, you know, the tougher, the better kind of thing. That's where I found myself, you know, in my story, the uh, on the other side of the law, you know, I got arrested and was facing five to 10 years in prison. And that's kind of the seed of what Edwards is based on. So tell me about that. What you were, do you want to share what you got in trouble for? Or? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, it's been publicly documented. I mean, there's a, a film that went to the Oscars two years ago. I mean, I think the most of the world has seen if they, if they follow, you know, the, you know, the Academy Awards, what it is, it's, you know, the, the charge was fleeing and eluding. You know, essentially we had drugs on us and, and we all, you know, we all split and they couldn't pin us on, on the actual charge. So, you know, they get you on what they can. And that was fleeing and eluding. I was, you know, like I said, facing a stiff sentence and, you know, spent a couple nights in county jail, which was, you know, an experience, you know, you never forget uh, the first. Tell me about that. What, how, what was that like for you? You know, it's like getting processed. So the whole the whole experience, you know, I can reflect on it pretty well. It was just this idea of being just, you know, taken, right? So that, now your freedom's gone, right? And you really don't know what freedom is until you lose it. I think it's a really important lesson. So I'm, I'm glad this all happened. And then then you're processed like this, like choice meat, you know, not even like select meat, like choice meat. And you just go from, you know, cell to cell or, or jail to jail, you're kind of just given a, you know, a throw of a, of a, of an outfit and, and it's like, there you are, you know, sit down. And, and just like that whole process felt like, you know, really, really, really cold as, as it should, you know, your freedom's gone. That's what it is. And on the other side of it was this, you know, encounter with a judge who ends up giving me probation instead of prison. And, you know, to this day, and I'll speak, you know, speak to it as, you know, for two reasons, you know, the grace of God and, and I believe the color of my skin. If, if I if I look different, I, I would I would have got five. If uh, I don't believe in something, you know, the higher power looking out, I, I think that I would would have done right uh, with what happened next. And what happened next was I ended up meeting this chef in in downtown Detroit, and he's the guy who mentored me, changed changed the the outlook of what I could do as a human, and that set the path uh, forward. So then, at that point, you did you finish high school? Yeah, yeah. Barely graduated. I had to take an extra extra class at the end of the day. Cut into basketball practice, which really pissed me off. But <laughs> and and uh, and finished up. The encounter with the chef was like you know pivot into that is you know he taught me this idea that that perfect practice makes perfect. You know with the, with the skill set and, and uh, you know fundamentals, uh, elite skills. The, you can do anything you want, and that's that's in fact what happened. I, I you know left Detroit and went out to school in, in, in upstate New York. Calder Institute of America is the name of the school. I then apprenticed under Charlie Trotter in Chicago and flew to, you know, France after that in a one-way ticket and started, you know, hitting this, you know, the, the restaurants in, in, the, in Paris and eventually ended up in New York City. And, and I thought I was going to be the best chef in the world, you know, because that, that is the world, right, man? Like Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Paris, yeah. Let's talk about food for a second. So... Practicing food, you know, practice, perfect practice makes perfect, as you said. But what is it about food? What is it about the soul of food that drew you into it? Why, why food? Why not something else? I don't know. I mean, I just, 
and sometimes you you know you listen to your body and it just something resonates with it. And there was there was a draw. I mean, I was in the, I was in the kitchen. It, it was magnetic. It was energetic. It was finally an industry that could like or a place where I could no matter how much energy I had or have, I mean, which I had a lot, it would always you know push back right. So just the just the terrain that you walk on in a in a, in a restaurant, it just screams hard work and energy, right? And if you're if you're cut from that cloth, it's gonna, it's going to resonate somehow, some way. You know the, the 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 food aspect. I was just just curious about, right? I mean, it's this natural curiosity. I'm, I'm a pretty curious guy, probably like yourself. You're always, you know, you have a question, you figure out why. And uh, something was not only it was it wasn't only a curiosity in the kitchen, but there was like this fulfillment once I found the answer, and and, and the fulfillment was was coming from the earth. And to me, like the relationship between you know the, the you know the land, the, the the earth, just this world, the natural world, and and, and a human is like is there's nothing more greater. And then what your hands can do to um, manipulate or enhance a product to nourish and feed a human being, it's it's like the coolest it's like the coolest art in the world, right? I'm sure it's the same thing that that is for um, when it comes to music, someone's ears and how how it feeds their body and their soul. It's the same thing with food, but to know that this you know, Britannia lobster came from the, the, you know, the shores of Normandy and, you know, to preserve its, its character and the tradition of a certain region for hundreds of years, you could, you could, you can capture that for a moment and, you know, serve it. So then it just became this like curiosity, like, oh my goodness. Okay. So what's the extremity of this thing? And where's the soul of it? And that was, that's what kind of led me to these restaurants uh, around the world is just seeking the soul of this product. Do you remember the first time that you made a dish? in a restaurant and you sent it out and you saw some feedback. Like you looked around the, the, the door to the kitchen, you saw oh, somebody's eating that and they're enjoying it. Or, or maybe somebody came up to you and said, man, this is great. This is the best whatever I've ever had. Do you remember that first moment where you, you, where you caught that kind of feedback? You know, I do is, uh, it actually had to be lobster. So the kitchen, Michael, you're getting your, you know, you're getting your balls kicked in in there, man. Like there's no, there's no breath of air to kind of look around the corner or, you know, it's just like you, you head down, you rock and roll and, you know, maybe a, you know, a server or a manager comes back and says, Hey, the, the you know, the guests like the food and that's like the, the highest. But there was a time that I, I wanted to learn how to cook lobster and, and it was in Detroit. And I, and I said, I went out and got some live lobsters from the, the market around the corner and, and uh, it's called Eastern market in Detroit. And uh, I got these lobsters and I said, well, chef, can you show me how to cook something with them? You know, he showed me how to cook something with them, and I ended up, you know, you know, really taking that seriously. That I, I, I went back and cooked it for my uncles, who were some, um, I mean, f- funny, funny guys, man. I mean, you know, you talk like your 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 <laughs> Motor City kind of kind of guy, you know, a drinker, a smoker, and you know, the bigger the car, the better, and just a great personality. And um, I cooked these lobsters for me; couldn't believe it. And, and I, was, I was really proud. You know, I said, hey, man, you know, you know, that's that's right. And then looking back now, it's probably an awful preparation. I probably hammered the damn thing. But they were stoked, man. They weren't exactly foodies. <laughs> so now you're you're giving this feeling to people who have been incarcerated and who are coming to you as maybe, you know, a last chance or maybe in their mind, they're thinking like, you know, I'll just give this a shot or whatever. Everybody's coming into it with a different reason, but you're bringing them this thing that you can do something that makes other people feel 
alive. You could do something that connects you to nature. You could do something that connects you to your team around you. You can do something that gives you your freedom back because you're able to pay your rent or own a home or to work at the highest level of, of uh, being a chef. That's incredible. So how did you get from just trying to strive for that yourself, like go working in the top restaurants in the world? And now at what point did you say, hey, I got to give back? Yeah. So it was, I mean, I remember this vividly. It was like uh, 55th and Park. I was on my way to, to Le Cirque. It's a, it's a restaurant there and or was a restaurant there in the Palace Hotel. And I got a call from back home. Uh, you know, a young man named Quentin uh, was, was the guy I came up with in the kitchen, right? Prepping food. Like, like we made mayonnaise together, man. We made like Caesar salad dressing. We, we cut red peppers. And it was like the innocence of your, of your kitchen life going, you know, you know, that's where you lose it. Right. And on those certain like basic things. And he was my, he was my wing. And, uh, the chef that, that mentored me called me up one day and he said, you know, Quentin was, was murdered. He was, you know, stabbed, I don't know, two, three dozen times and found an abandoned building. And, and I, and, and I just remember him being like, just like the salt of the earth kind of, kind of guy. And, you know, it, it put me back a step and, and I was starting to reflect on where I was copper pots, $10,000 bottles of wine out of Detroit living, you know, alive, and then, you know, you move on because that's what life tells you to do. And then no more than like two weeks later, he calls again. The sous chef that, that I was also with was was killed over $5. And I said, I mean, this, I said, this is really fucked up. I said, there's, but there's got to be something I can do about it. You know, it's just, I'm just a doer. And, and, and so I said, I'm going to build this restaurant and that's a school just like, you know, chef had for me. It's going to be focused solely on people, you know, who, who are looking to, to excel in this culinary world that that didn't get the chance or was overlooked because of, 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 you know, certain reasons. And, 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 you know, I'm going to build it, right? I mean, that's it. That's what you do. The problem was no one ever built it before and, and there was no roadmap. So uh, I went back to school in 2004 to write a business plan and then just started working on that plan everywhere where I was weak for 10 years, just listened to people who were smarter than me. I focused on Cleveland, Ohio, because it was the worst city in the country. And, you know, really still is in the metropolitan cities. It's just distraught with, you know, not just the poverty, but the, 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 uh, the things that inflict uh, that come with, will come with poverty and just, oh, it's, just, it's, it's terrible. And so that was, that was it, man. It was, just, it, was just, it was a journey and the journey was not easy. It still isn't easy, but it was the right, it was the right fight. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What were the hardest parts of it when you got started? I think the hardest parts, I mean, I mean, Michael, you might find this true in music. I don't know. I don't, I don't know too many musicians or people on your level. But I mean, the hardest part is yourself, I think, and in, in, in knowing that's, you know, that's, what you're, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You know, that once, you, once you find out that you're convicted and you, you need to do this, right, and, that, and then just listen to your body and, and go. I mean, the hard work, you know, you know finding the money, raising the money, you know, getting the space, all that, all that stuff happens, man. But like I've been homeless before uh, during this time and, and trying to build this, uh, you know, like nothing, divorce once, and you – 
you say to yourself, like, you know, is it worth it? And then something inside your body says, yes, it is. It, it is worth it. And I think just once you once you accept that this is what you're, you're what once you accept what you're supposed to be doing, whatever that is for somebody, then you, you stop talking your body, your mind out, your mind talks your body out of it. It's easy. I think that's the biggest challenge because once it becomes your your mission, then it becomes life, and then that's why you breathe. So I think that's the biggest challenge. Once you commit, you're good. You went from opening the restaurant and starting to train people, but you just when we first started talking, you said you've got homes, you've got a library, you've got exercise program, you've got all these different things. At what point did you start seeing that you needed to meet people in their whole life? You know, it wasn't just about just cooking and teaching somebody how to put a, a, a dish full of food out there, but it, you needed to really support people's whole lives. Yeah. That's, I mean, that just came from, um, this is all thought through and that, that original plan. I mean, I, I think there's things that accelerated it, you know, but, you know, I, I just looked at, at my life and I said, what, what, what did I need to, to, to succeed? And, and I just, you know, what, then, then you start to think, what, what do you want for people you care about? Like if, you know, your kids got accepted to Stanford and you wouldn't expect them to live in a, in a shelter. I mean, that's just unrealistic, right? For any parent. So why should it be the same for, you know, those that we serve? There was moments that accelerated it in terms of, um, you know, someone was sleeping on a couch or in a car and, and, you know, you know that happens, but when it starts to happen to someone that you're you're putting through the mill of how to, um, you know, you're asking someone to memorize the grapes of Bordeaux wine or or how to make a hollandaise sauce, and then they're going back to an un, unsafe or unsound. That to me wasn't right or just, and it's, it's the responsibility as a leader to to provide that uh, for someone if, if that's what you're in the business of serving others. So that really accelerated the housing. The education was just... I never forget the feeling I got when I walked into the library at the uh, the Colorado Institute of America, and I, and I thought everyone should feel that that sort of way. They should all be able to walk into a room and believe that they can do anything, because there's knowledge around them. And it's a place to learn safely, you know, and be proud of. We have you know like six thousand cookbooks. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty sweet. These these sort of things accelerated it, you know. And then, but it was always the seed, is always the kernel to to build the the best culinary school in the country, because we're looked at as half as good, you know, when you have a criminal record or, you know, even people that are, that are black or brown were, you know, it, it's like a, you're looked at as discounted and we have to punch harder and higher just to be considered equal. So, you know, you, you've got, you got, you got to create space and, um, and you got to create, create a sharper, smarter, um, you know, human being. When you started going into the prison system, were you met with resistance? Were there allies there within the system who were like, hey, we're looking for people like you to do stuff? Or or was it like you were clawing and scratching on the door going, hey, I got this crazy wild idea. Let me in. I, I, think, it was, I think it was all the above. I happened to meet someone, you know, who's the you know, same age as I was. So he was about 30 or 31 when, you know, when I started going to the prisons, he was the same age. And he was considered young for his position. And his his sole goal was to to make that prison you know the, the best prison with the you know the programming of uh, you know of education and development for for an institution. And so when I, I expressed to him what I would like to do, you know his first answer first is you know his first response is you know we don't have any money for this. And I said it's okay, I'm just looking for access. You know I just want to do this to you know to do this. And then he, it was like open arms. I mean I had I had the keys, not literally but figuratively, and. 
what I started to do next was just to teach, right? Teach to the top, the same lessons, the fundamentals, you know, the things that you could do anywhere in the world if you learn them right, you know, the first time. And uh, I think what clicked for the the prison system was the the men that, that were being taught there were being released and not returning, and they were getting employed. And then access started to increase, and I started to bring our own knives in the prison. I started to bring, you know. You know, things that you would not typically be allowed to bring to a prison, but you can't teach the elite skill without the, uh, the the right tool. And they understood that. So there was a bit of a chance I think they took, but it worked. It still works. Tell me about uh, someone that came through the program who you thought, man, this person is never going to cut this. And they, they surprised you. Is there, is there other stories of, of, of people who just absolutely turned their whole lives around? Yeah, I mean, there's been some turnaround stories, but you know, the first thing I never do is never. I, I'll be honest with you, man. I'd never cast a judgment on what someone's going to do, because like, as humans, man, we can do the most like heinous things, and we can do the most amazing things. Like, we're we're powerful creatures, and so I never like I never like say that's not going to happen. But there's there's times I scratch my head. I'm like, dude, I'm like this guy. You know, we'll give someone a couple chances. There's some things that you cannot do in this program, right? You're out. You're gone. You know, I mean, if there's violence, you're gone. Like, there's no exception. Okay, there's no room for that. Uh, someone raises their voice, gives an argument. Like let's let's talk them down and and, and then talk about it and, and then, like let's move forward and give them a chance. Or and we're always trying to find solutions. And this was this one guy, man. He just, I mean, I said, look at, I said, by my account, he sh- he should be out of this program. And I, I was talking to one of the chefs. I said. I'll put it on you if you want to keep him here. He's up to you. And he gave this guy a ton of chances. And, and he's still been with us off and on for like since we opened. And um, that that is one guy who I thought would be a real difficult a real difficult person to help achieve their goals. I really did. And, and he's he's still doing it slowly but surely. He's, he's doing it. That's awesome. Talk to me about that, about the goals. You mentioned – creating a life plan. What does that mean? What is a life plan? So a life plan, so the whole program, you understand, like we're not asking about your, your offense when you get into the program. There's, there's, there's no, there's no cameras. It's you know, I'm not taking state or federal dough. Um, this is a program that is you know committed to having someone get to where they want to be. And the only measuring stick for that is, is what someone wants to be. Right. So, you know, in the first couple of weeks, you're, you're asked to write a plan about where you want to be. In, in, you know, a year, two years, five years, whatever. Whatever it is, what's your plan, right? Essentially, your measuring stick, you know, throughout this program. So, like, if you told me, Michael, you want to be a astronaut, and but you kept coming, you, you want to be a chef on a space shuttle, right? And I said, yeah, you know, all right, man. That actually is what I, my goal is. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, let's do it. I'm just working this music thing until I can get get into your program. <laughs> well, everyone needs a side hustle, right? <laughs> yeah. I would say to you that's that's a great goal, and I, I believe you can do it. Okay, and, and I really would, I really would, because I don't know what's inside you and what you can do and that can't do. But if you stop coming into this class late, I would say, look at you know, based on your life plan, man, you want you want you want to hop into a shuttle. Like if the thing's got to leave in like if by five p.m. and you're late, you're not getting on the shuttle. So let's work on your, your <laughs> Why can't you get here on time? Like, what's going on? And then we, we, we work through these things. We understand that it doesn't happen in one time. We understand that, you know, relapse is a way to recovery. You know, people who are, who are you know, struggling with addiction. We, all this stuff we get, man. Like, your life plan's got to be your guiding light. And, and this program does no good if you're not achieving your goal. 
it, it might do good for us. And like, yeah, we got him in a great restaurant, but some people want a hot dog cart, you know, guy came to his program. His father's a paraplegic and he needed flexibility and he liked, he liked hot dogs. And you know what? Now he's got a hot dog cart, man. Like, good for him. Like that's where we wanted to see him happy, flexible, taking care of family and, and earning an income that, that, that he can live with. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about. I think, I think that's really amazing. You know, I grew up, like you mentioned, basketball practice. I, I love basketball. I still play basketball all the time. There was a point in my life when I thought maybe I wanted to be in the NBA and I tried and I played basketball, you know, at, at college. And, but there was also a point where I realized that this isn't my path and that there's something more to it. But so many of the things that I learned on the basketball court as a kid about practicing and hard work and, you know, learning to dribble with my left hand, learn now learn my crossover, learn how to follow through on a jump shot, learn how to box out, learn how to sit on the bench and cheer my team on, learning when I get in the game to be ready, show up to practice, all those things. There's still things that I carry with me now. And I just think it's amazing that you guys are doing this for people who are really advanced stages in their life. And are finding those life skills through through cooking. Yeah, that's I mean you you nailed it. That's what it is. And you know, no matter how old you are, like there's still a heart of a child behind you. Like no matter what, it's the same thing that makes a kid happy, the same thing that makes an adult happy. You know, you know, acceptance, uh, validation, encouragement, all, all these things, man. I mean, you know, we're just doing someone's just doing it a little later. Yeah. Who staffs uh, Edwin? Is it people from the program there, or is it? people who come in and volunteer is it a paid staff yeah yeah so it's it's, it's uh you know it's like a mi- mixture of them, all of them so we um the the restaurant and you know the bakery the butcher these are you know, they're all like the students are, are doing the positions of um you know uh, that you would in a, in a typical restaurant right hosting serving bartending you know pastry chef etc cetera, etc cetera, right they're doing all that i've got you know two instructors one who focuses on culinary and one who fo- focuses on hospitality and so for every day you're taking a class, depending on where you're at in the program, dining room or kitchen. So you're taking a class from these, these, these instructors. You're learning to top these skills. Like, so, you know, from you know, the wines of the world, and the drinks and spirits and how they're made and the steps of service and how to, you know, what true hospitality looks like and feels like. And the kitchen, all those great fundamentals of sauces and stocks and techniques of, of cooking that, that you can take anywhere in the world, Right. Um, so those You're making me hungry, man. <laughs> these teachers, man, these teachers are really getting it done uh, on that level. There's a group of chefs, right? And the chefs are, you know, kind of the core staff that, you know, run the restaurant and, you know, make sure that it's, it's you know, doing what it should do with the understanding that there's people coming through here with little to no experience that, that are trying to do better. So, you know, we, we get it and it all works. The bakery and butcher shop are, are, have the same setup. You know, there's there's you know main person, a pastry chef, or a, uh, a butcher, and a general manager for each store. So now, who who fulfills those roles? So like, like right now, like the butcher and the baker are completely graduate run, right? So my goal is to continue to take this this pers- you know this, everyone's got a perspective and taking someone with the perspective of incarceration and our program are the ones who get the first call anytime there's a position open. And like right now, the whole organization, so all of these chefs and managers that I mentioned, like 60% are graduates. And, um, you know, obviously 100% of the staff that are, you know, in the program are students, right? So 
the organization, like I'm just trying to build this thing to, to reflect who we serve built by those that we serve. So that's who it is. Yeah. I mean, everyone's on, on, on the staff level, they're paid on the student level. You're paid a stipend. Like you don't owe us anything for this. We're going to, we're going to pay you to go through the program and, you know, help provide whatever's needed, overcome whatever problem that you, you know, you're, you're having that you want to tackle. And, and that's really how the program rolls. That's awesome. And uh, is it, is it a nonprofit? Do you, do you get donations or is it run through the, the sales of the restaurant or a little bit of both or? It's a little bit of both, man. But I have, um, I have everyone set up as a nonprofit. So, um, you know, internally I take those, those accounting books and, and make sure I split up what costs are, restaurant and what costs our program and uh, you know the restaurant runs at a profit and the profit goes to offset the um the, the cost of this you know 1.3 million dollar hole for the school that we have to fill every year and um you know with the, the bakery and the butcher shovels are like nonprofit llc's and anytime that, that kicks a profit it goes up to a foundation that i started and the foundation helps fill the hole of this you know this gap that we have to do the free education with and so, you know, there's still a gap, man. I mean, speaking, consulting, um, uh, fundraising, all these sort of things take place to, to make this impossible thing work. Mm. And if folks wanted to donate or if they want to go and eat at the restaurant, is a great way to probably donate too. But if you want to donate from anywhere in the world, where can they do that? Just go, to, go to edwinsrestaurant.org. And then, you, you know, our website, edwinsrestaurant.org, you'll find, you know, information and and facts and, and then a way to uh, contribute. So sometimes it's, it's sending us a book, you know, sometimes it's uh, donating your time. And we got, we got some great, I mean, from professional athletes to, um, you know, accomplished politicians. I mean, we have so many people come through here that share their perspective that help our students grow. And it's just a constant pressure. So, you know, money's great, man. Don't get me wrong. That's what we need to, to make and pay the bills, but don't limit yourself, you know? You know, in America today, we have, over 2 million people incarcerated. And if you count everybody who's on probation, it could be close to a number like 10 million people who are in the system. The last question I want to ask you is, is kind of dovetails off that. Prison in America is one of the most inhumane places. The system is, is set up, you know, with systemic racism in its, in its DNA. And Yet you've been able to find humanity there and you've been able to hold on to your humanity. So my question to you is, what does it mean to you to be human and how do you stay human? Well, I mean, I suppose what, what it means to be human is to, um, you know, is to serve, you know, if you're, if you're alive and, you know, have, have breath in your, your lungs and are able to, um, to do something maybe someone else can't for whatever reason, you know, that, that, that's, that's what it means to be human is, is, is to serve. I think what, what, you know, continues to make me human is uh, continuing to serve, you know, I think that that's, that's the way of staying human and, and, and being human is to, you know, is, is to serve. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for being with us today, Brandon. I'm super inspired and I can't wait to come eat at Edwin's next time we play in uh, Cleveland. I'll, I'll have to bring my guitar down there and uh, we'll get some little jamming going and then, uh, uh, I'll teach you a tune and you teach me how to cook something good. Deal. All right. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome. This is uh, Brandon Krastowski. Brandon, just tell everybody once again where to go to uh, find you guys. All right. Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, edwinsrestaurant.org is the website. 
tons of more information there. But, you know, if you're ever in the CLE, just just come on by. Hey, man, thanks for being such a great example of how to give back and how to continue to shine your light. And right now, with everything that's happening in the world, we need more people like yourself who are doing these kinds of things. And also just to be able to light that fire in each of us to find that way that we can serve, like you said. So thanks a lot, man. And thanks for being on the Stay Human podcast. We'll be joining you next week with another great episode. Until that time, stay human.